Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to look at one verse of Scripture. I do want to put out a little bit of a disclaimer uh, this morning. I told the service last night that they were in to, for something special. I haven't been feeling real good, and so I'm highly medicated. So anything I say today, take it with a grain of salt. Amen. I seemed to last night get a little punchy. <laughs> so we're going to try to trudge down this road and, and just see what God will do. We had fun last night, though. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll get to that here in just a second. Um, in the next few days, uh, everybody's going to be getting together and gathering together for Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to have a day of celebration. And you know what? It's amazing what happens on Thanksgiving in families, isn't it? Families get together and you can have one of two things happen. You can either have a really, really good time or you can have a really, really bad time. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid growing up and uh, in Michigan, at that time in my life, I had like 22 cousins at that time. There's more now, but uh, we would get together, and man, it was all I have is just good memories. It was fun. We'd go over to my Aunt Jean Ann's house, and her kids had all the coolest toys, man, and we just had a blast. And uh, things were, it was just amazing. The last time I was in Michigan on Thanksgiving, it snowed nine inches. And so we took the boys snowmobiling. So Thanksgiving has always been a really good time for me. I've always enjoyed it, enjoyed eating and filling up on turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and cranberries and stuffing and, you know, all the fixings. I enjoy that. That's a, that's a fun time. But sometimes it's not always fun, is it? You get some families together and uh, you get them together about 15, 20 minutes, and all of a sudden the friction starts, and Uncle Billy is mad at Cousin Tommy, and and they've been feuding for the last 35 years, and so now they're going to settle their feud right at the dinner table, and all of a sudden we got the Jerry Springer show going. <laughs> it's crazy. But you know what? Thanksgiving is a day that... Uh, as a nation, we set aside to celebrate, to be thankful. And that's a wonderful thing, and I am so thankful that we do have, we live in a country and we do have that opportunity to be thankful. But um, what I want to suggest to you today that Thanksgiving is not just another day. Thanksgiving is not just another day where we take time aside and thank, be thankful and thank God for his blessing. But Thanksgiving in truth, really is a lifestyle, isn't it? I want you to think about this for a moment. See, the problem is today is that there's a lot of people that the only time that they will ever even approach the subject of being thankful is on Thanksgiving. And that's in question, especially if there's feuding going on. But the truth is, Thanksgiving is not just a day that we celebrate once a year. It's a lifestyle that we live every day. Day. There was a famous poet years ago. His name was Rudyard Kipling, and he was very famous. He was an English poet and writer, and before his death, he was literally considered one of the greatest writers of all time. And as a result, he had made a great deal of money 
at his writing. Well, one time he was in the United States and a local newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I've just read that somebody has calculated that the money that you make from your writings amounts to $100 a word. Mr. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, Really? I certainly was not aware of that. The reporter cynically put his hand into his pocket and pulled out a $100 bill and thrust it into the face of Mr. Kipling and said, here's $100, Mr. Kipling. Now you give me one of your $100 words. So Kipling took the $100 bill, looked at it for a moment, folded it up, put it in his pocket, and said, thanks. (laughs) I do think thanks is a $100 word. But I think that we've lost the real idea. We've lost the essence or the meaning behind being thankful. So I want to take just a few minutes of your time and see if we can't discuss that. And I don't want you to close me off today because I know it's Thanksgiving season and and you could say, well, you know, here we go again, another Thanksgiving service. But let me tell you today, Thanksgiving truly has some power to it. It is a part of the strategy of God for our lives. Thanksgiving, by nature, by its essence, really is part of the plan of God. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. One verse of scripture, it says, now notice here again, he's using the word everything. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, one of the things that both I love about the word and sometimes I find frustrating in the word is that God can be both clear and vague. At times you can read the Bible and you can read something in the Bible and it will come across a little bit vague and you're like, Lord, I don't know if I understand completely what you're saying there. So we do our word studies and we get our commentaries and we get our dictionaries and we go through all of the different things that we need to do to study that scripture out to figure out what it is God is saying to us. But this is not the case today, is it? This word is fairly clear. He says, in everything give thanks. Because this is the will of God for you. Now, if you've all, we've all prayed, haven't we? We've prayed, God, what is the will of God for my life? Well, here's a verse of Scripture that describes to you what God is expecting. Is that in every circumstance, in every situation, at every turn, at every corner, that you would be thankful. And he is very clear in this. He's very direct and he's very simple. In everything, Give thanks. There are no exceptions, no excuses, nothing outside of those parameters, but in everything, give thanks. Now, what does that mean? It means that thanksgiving, the giving of thanks, (coughs) is appropriate in every occasion, at every situation. Giving thanks is not a suggestion, it is a command. It is an imperative. It's not an option for the serious Christian. 
This word, this verse is in what's called the present tense. So what that means is, is that it is to be continuing. It's, a not, it's not a one-time event, but it's something that we do continually. Now here's the thing. Paul is not saying give thanks for everything. He's saying give thanks in everything. In other words, we don't say, thank you, Lord, for my broken leg. Thank you, Lord, that I'm sicker than a dog right now, and I have to come to church at 830 in the morning. Thank you, God, that you're making me go through that. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be thankful because God always deserves thanksgiving. Can he say amen? I'm not thankful for what I'm going through. I'm thankful for him in what I'm going through. Can you say amen? That's what he's talking about, and that's something that you and I need to pay attention to. Paul is talking about a life that is marked by thanksgiving. There are over 550 different verses throughout the Bible that reference this idea of being thankful. I believe God had a purpose in that. I believe he was clear. Thanksgiving should not be about a day but it should be about a way of life. Can you say amen? Because thanksgiving really is the natural and logical response to God's grace, to his goodness, and to his love towards our lives. It should flow out of us naturally. I want you to listen to some scriptures this morning. I don't have them on the screen. I'm just going to read them. I'll, I'll give you the verses, but I want you to listen to the words that are stated here. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, the Bible says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. Listen to that portion of scripture. He's given us lots of uh, instruction on how to live our lives. But the overwhelming message of that passage is that we should be giving thanks. We should be thankful to God. Thankful for what he's doing. Thankful for what he has done. Thankful for what he is about to do. Can you say amen? In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Listen to that scripture. He said he defines what the sacrifice of praise is. He says the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God. Amen. Say, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We, we need to get, you know what, we need to get a little more vocal. You say why? Because right here in this portion of scripture, he's saying it's the fruit of our lips. Imagine, just imagine if you did something for somebody. I mean, you, you were very generous. Maybe you helped them in a, in a way that was, was kind of off the charts. Or, or maybe you gave to them something that was really needful or, or whatever. And they, and they found out it was you. And they just stood there and they just kind of went. Hmm. 
Yeah. That's great. You going to say thank you? Well, I, I'm sure I appreciate it. Yeah, no. I did. It's like, no, say it. Say the word. Say thank you. I think sometimes God's in heaven looking down on his throne going, can you just say thank you? Amen. Amen. <laughs> we come into church and, and we act as if God's nervous. Shh. Quiet. No, no, this should be a celebration of thanksgiving. We should be looking into heaven and saying, God, you saved me. You set me free. You restored my home. You gave my mind back. You provided for me. You healed me. You, 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 you did things for me that I could not do for myself. And I thank you and I glorify you and I magnify you. That's the fruit of our lips. It's the sacrifice of praise to God. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, listen to this. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. We've been talking in the last few weeks about prayer. We've been talking about sitting at the feet of Jesus and restoring the altar and the power of prayer in our lives. Well, he goes on and he says here, devote yourself to prayer. Prayer should be our devotion, but it doesn't come by itself. It comes with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And then he goes on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 16, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 16, just a couple verses before our text. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and then our text, he says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, pray without ceasing comes with thanksgiving. Rejoicing comes with thanksgiving. The Bible tells us, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Somewhere thanksgiving should be a part of our lives every day, all day. Can you say amen? In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Here is an antidote to stress. This is an antidote to depression. This is an antidote to fear and worry. Is that instead of worrying, instead of being fearful, instead of feeling out of control, he says, Go to prayer. Have supplication, a relationship with the Father, with thanksgiving in your heart. And he says the result of that is the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Think about that for a moment. How many of us have struggled With that worry, we've struggled with fear, we've struggled with anxiety, we've struggled with all kinds of things, we feel out of control, and right here, God is giving us the antidote. He says, in prayer and in thanksgiving, you can change your life. It's amazing to me how much thanksgiving is a natural part, or should be a natural part of our prayer life. The question is, how can we pray? If we're not thankful, how can we pray if we're not thankful for all that he has done? 
I think there's a problem here. And I think what the problem is, is that Thanksgiving doesn't come natural to us, does it? I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me to take things for granted. Amen. You know, late last couple of days I haven't been feeling well, and, you know, Kathy comes in with a bowl of soup for me, and, you know, a bowl of chicken noodle soup, and it's, you know, like, well, it's about time. Don't say that. Oh, you say, thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate you. Don't go, oh, my gosh, do you even care? Don't, don't say that. What happens? See, it's easy to take things for granted. <coughs> it's easy to grumble and complain, isn't it? <coughs> Excuse me just for a second here. <clears throat> You've got to understand reciprocals. Thanksgiving is the opposite of complaining. Amen. If you want to overcome complaining, then be thankful. If you want to undermine your faith, then complain. Are you hearing me? It's so easy to complain, especially in difficult times, isn't it? I mean, I woke up this morning. Wow. Somebody else needs to go to church today. But you're the pastor. (laughs) I don't feel like the pastor today. I feel like I've been run over by a Mack truck. And it's easy to complain. It's like, well, they don't appreciate me anyway. Especially in difficult times. They don't like me. People don't like me down there. And we could get Dana does. Dana loves me. She loves me. She's going to tell me, don't say those things. But it's easy. It's easy to get to complaining. It's easy to get focused on the negative and be ungrateful, isn't it? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible gives us some instruction. It says, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a tall order. He says, in everything you do. Here's that pesky word, everything, again, isn't it? He says, in everything, thanksgiving. And in everything, avoid complaining and arguing. Have you ever, have you ever met a complainer? I, I, I've met a few. Nothing makes them happy. Nothing satisfies them. More is never enough. Nothing brings joy. Nothing fulfills except one thing, and that is to complain. They are happiest when they are complaining. You ever met people like that? Complaining is a serious problem. It's been plaguing mankind for a very long time. There was probably no, nobody more prolific in complaining than the children of Israel. 25 different times the Bible records the children of Israel complaining after they left Egypt. Now you've got to think about this. 450 years of slavery and God delivers them. Not only does he deliver them, When they leave, they take all the gold of Egypt with them. That's pretty powerful. They're leaving with victory. 
God himself is leading them by a cloud and by a pillar of fire. He's supernaturally providing for them. Yet they can find fault in what's going on. Amen. Maybe what they should have done was just be thankful. I wonder how many of us can find fault in what's going on. Well, if you look hard enough, you're going to find something wrong in everything. If you look hard enough, you'll find the flaws. It's not a talent to find something to complain about. It's probably more of a talent to find something to be thankful for. To say, wait a second, there's something good in this. And here's the truth about complaining. Complaining begins with discontentment. See, when you're discontent in your heart... When, when, when you feel out of joint, when, when you're not really connected, because see, the only true source of contentment in life is going to be God. It's Him, connecting to Him. When you're not contact, connecting to Him, there's going to be a sense of discontentment. Discontentment grows into dissatisfaction, and dissatisfaction becomes a habit of complaining. And then a habit of complaining ends in a curse of destruction. The bottom line is complaining is a spiritual problem that finds its origin in discontentment. But here's the truth about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a spiritual power that overcomes discontentment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you want to overcome that, then be thankful. If you want to see life differently, you know what the amazing thing about Thanksgiving is? Is it will change your perspective. When you're thankful, when you express true thanksgiving, when you, when you look at something and say, I'm truly thankful for that. I know there's difficulties. I know there's problems. I, I know there's situations here that are beyond my control, but I am thankful for this thing. It will change your perspective. If all you do is complain about something, then all you'll ever see is the flaws. See, discontentment magnifies what is past. It vilifies what is present without regard to the truth or reason. Do you hear that? And the danger of it is that it will rob us of our joy. It will destroy our peace. It will hinder our forward progress. It will undermine our faith. And it will make us vulnerable to the enemy. Complaining. I'm not saying that we don't address real problems. I'm not saying that we don't confront things that are wrong or things that are broken, that we don't go alongside those things and and bring some recovery to that. But what I'm saying is, if we don't have a plan, if there is no intent on fixing it, then don't complain about it. We need to be thankful. Listen to the words of God again. In our text, he says, in everything, give thanks. And then in Philippians, he says, in everything, avoid complaining. That should grip our hearts today, shouldn't it? I want to take this thought of complaining just a little bit further, and I want to actually name some complainers today. So if you hear your name, would you stand up? 
No, I'm just teasing. I, I, I'm not, not really. I want to show you what complainers look like. First, the first complainer is the guy, we'll call him the, the whiner. You ever met whiners? These people wake up negative. What they do when they wake up, they rise and whine. It's not rise and shine, it's rise and whine. And the telltale sign of a whiner is they're constantly saying things like this. It's not fair. It's just not fair. I don't deserve this. I've never gotten a break. If I, if I would just get my break. That's the thing that, I, that, 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 that frustrates me about the society we live in is that we live in probably one of the greatest countries of opportunity if we'll just seize it. But what we're wanting now is we're, we're wanting, what's happening now is we're we've becoming a society of whiners because we don't want to take the opportunity. We want the opportunity delivered to us. And so what ends up happening is we become a, a society of complainers that are ungrateful for what we have. And all we can see is what we don't have. And all we do is whine. I never get a break. It's not fair. Whoever said that it was supposed to be fair? Do you, here, I'm going to say something. God is not a fair God. He is a just God. Big difference. Big difference. The second guy that's a complainer is the guy called the martyr. And his favorite phrase is, no one appreciates me. And these people are pros at having pity parties. Amen. They have pity parties and it's all about woe is me. And, and you know what? I, I never get a, uh, nobody appreciates me. Nobody sees me. I'm, I, I just work and, and labor and nobody ever thanks me and nothing. And all of a sudden they become a martyr. You ever met anybody like that? It's like, well, you know, if, if nobody else will do it, I guess I will. And then they complain the fact that they did it. Amen. Or how about the cynic? Their favorite phrase is, oh, nothing will change. It's always going to be this way. It's been this way for 30 years. It's always going to be this way. God's not going to do nothing. God's doing something over there. He's not doing nothing here. Nothing's changing. It never changes. You know, they, they yeah, who cares? They're the cynic. How about the grouch? You ever met the grouch? Is that the best you can do? I can't even believe you're up there preaching. Are you, you're hitting and missing. You're like a box falling downstairs today. Man, if you're sick, go home. Why'd you even come? You're going to make the rest of us sick. Uh-huh. Yeah. Reason some of you are laughing because you saw it and thought of it. It's like, hey, preacher, stay up there on that platform. Don't be coming down to the altar. Don't be praying for me today. You keep your hands off me. It's true. You know, and there's probably a lot more in the crowd of the complainers and the family. The truth is, complaining really does undermine what God wants to do. And when you see the power 
behind thanksgiving, you'll begin to understand why complaining is so detrimental. So, well, how do I fix all of this? How do I fix this? If, if maybe, maybe you located yourself in that family tree, maybe, maybe you, you said, you know what, maybe I am complaining more than I should and not being as thankful as I should. How do I fix that? Well, the solution is really easy. <coughs> the solution is really easy. And it's this. Make a decision to be thankful. Thanksgiving is not going to hop on you. And all of a sudden, you're going to be walking down the road and bam, whoa, thank God. Thank you, Jesus. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to decide. You're going to have to get up in the morning and say, you know what, today I'm going to look for something to be thankful for. In fact, I'm thankful that I just got out of bed. I'm thankful that I'm breathing air right now. And maybe it's going to start out in the silly. Maybe it's going to seem a little ridiculous. But after a while, it'll begin to change and become part of your lifestyle. I remember years ago when I was in college in Michigan, I went to a college called Central Michigan University. It was in a town called Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And believe it or not, I was a part of a choral group. It was a singing choir that we traveled around Michigan on the weekends, and we sang in different churches. And believe it or not, I sang in the bass section. I didn't really sing. I just kind of went watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. And the rest of the group covered me up. I didn't have a voice. I, I couldn't carry a tune in a dump truck. But um, they, do, they found out pretty quickly that I could speak in front of people. And so they, they, they said, well, we're going to make you part of the group so that you can do the altar calls. And I said, great, that's great. But you have to be a singer. Okay, well, so they sat me next to the best singer, you know, and I stood there and, you know, just kind of faked it. I lip-synced. I was like Millie Vanilli or whoever that group was. <laughs> but one thing was happening that particular year. Our group was getting, we had like 55 uh, uh, people in our group, and both male and female, and man, it was fighting just all the time, fighting, fighting, fighting. People were mad at each other, all this drama. And so the choir director, Ed McCallum, he gets up one day, gets on the bus as we're about ready to leave, and he makes this statement. He says, look it, he says, I'm going to take whoever is the most positive, the most encouraging, the most thankful person on this bus this weekend, I'm going to take them to the Embers restaurant. That was a restaurant, local restaurant in Mount Pleasant. It was like $100 a person. And in 1983, that was a lot of money. And so it's a lot of money now. But he, it, was, it was really over the top. And so everybody just started off. And it started off stupid. It was silly. You know, people were walking in, going, hey, you got your zipper up today. Congratulations. Hey, man, first time I haven't smelt bad breath on you. You're doing good. You know, it was, at first it started off almost as veiled insults, but it started off, you know, they were looking for reasons. Man, I love your shoelaces or, you know, I love, you know, your earlobes are really kind of, they're not ugly, you know, and, (laughs) you know, it was, they just did all kinds of stupid stuff. But somewhere in the midst of that trip on that weekend, it changed, and I don't know if we ever noticed it, but it changed because all of a sudden people were saying, man, I really do appreciate you. I really do care about you. I, I really do think you're a great person, and, 
and thank you for being who you are. And all of a sudden, that positive energy began to take a hold of hearts. It was a decision. We all made decisions. We had a motivation. We wanted to go to the embers, but there was a decision that was being made. And I'm here today to tell you that Thanksgiving is not a day we celebrate. It's a lifestyle we live as Christians, and it comes as the result of a decision we make that says, you know what, I'm going to find something to be thankful for. Can you say amen? And I want to close today with this last thought. That decision renders great power in our lives. There's three verses, or three passages, stories in the Bible that share with us the power thanksgiving has to overcome. The first story comes out of Jonah. We all know who Jonah is. He's the prophet. He was the prophet that didn't want to go to Nineveh, so he runs the other way. He gets on a ship sailing south when he should have been going north. And God prepares a special fish just for him. And we know the story that Jonah ends up in the belly of the fish. But as you read the book of Jonah, if you read chapter 2, you'll find out. It's only 10 verses long. You'll find out that Jonah has an awakening. He has an epiphany in the midst of the belly of the fish. He goes, God, you have my attention. And he begins to pray. And he says to God, he says, I'm so sorry. And he begins to repent. And he begins to talk about how he would change his life if he could. And then in verse 9 of Jonah chapter 2, he says these words. He says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Verse 10. So the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited it out, vomited Jonah out on dry land. So here, look at this story. Here he is. He's in a horrible, desperate situation. He's blown it with God. He's disobeyed. It's not good. And Jonah needs a miracle. Jonah needs deliverance. And the Bible says that he offered the sacrifice of thanksgiving. What could that possibly mean? It means that he became thankful for something that yet had to happen. In other words, his faith traveled in the vehicle of thanksgiving. He thanked God for his deliverance before he was delivered. See, most of the time we'll get real thankful after the fact. After the fact, we're like, oh man, that was so great, that was so good. But there is a power in thanksgiving that will move the heart of God. That works in conjunction with faith. And that is that we offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. He even said it earlier on in our sermon. We we looked at Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15. It says, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. It's a sacrifice. Sometimes we don't feel thankful. Sometimes we can't find anything to be thankful for, but we're thankful anyway. We say, there may not be anything right at the moment, God, but you know what? There is coming a day. You are a God of your word. You keep your promises. You keep your promises to a thousand generations, God, and I'm thankful that you'll be faithful to me. You're going to make a way for me, God. In John chapter 11 Verses 41 through 44, Jesus 
comes on the scene. He's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And the Bible says these words, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound in hand and foot in grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him, let him go. That supernatural miracle began with thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. He hadn't prayed yet. It was the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And then he says, you always hear me. See, thanksgiving brings a confidence to believe. Are you hearing me? When we're thankful, we have a confidence to believe. And then in Matthew chapter 15, verses 36 through 38, it says, then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples And they in turn to the people, they all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. (coughs) The number of those who ate were 4,000 besides women and children. So over 4,000 people ate out of seven loaves of bread and a few fish. Why? Because somebody was thankful. Thanksgiving is not just a day we celebrate. It's a lifestyle we live as Christians. Being thankful will change your world. Being thankful will overcome depression. Being thankful will overcome setbacks. Being thankful will overcome the difficulty in your life. Being thankful sets the stage for your faith to bring God's goodness into your situation. Are you hearing me? That's why this is so powerful. We can complain. We come naturally to it. We can find flaw. I can walk out there right now and I can randomly pick one person and within seconds I can find flaws. It's true. You can go to any church you want. I know people like this. I I have a friend that is like this. Goes to church after church after church. Has been doing it for years. Can't find a church to go to. Because none are right. Because none are perfect. None fit the bill. He goes, I haven't found a church that just does it all for me. It won't. You won't find a church that does it all. Do you know why? Because you're a part of the all. Sometimes you've got to do it to make the all happen. That's number ser- sermon number two. I'll get on that later. But if we'll be thankful, we'll change our perspective. We'll see it differently. Can you say amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me today? Father, we just thank you, God, for this revelation. We thank you, God, that you are speaking to us. Father, we pray that you would help us that in this season of thanksgiving, Lord, that we would truly make decisions, not to be just thankful on a day, but that it would be our daily life. Lord, we would thank 
you, God, for all that we have. Father, that we would have that attitude of gratitude. Father, I pray that you stir us and help us, encourage us, God. Father, I pray that you would reveal to us deeper understanding of this power of thanksgiving. And Lord, we do give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You could stand to your feet this morning. Our prayer team is coming. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them pray for you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. You have a great, great Sunday afternoon.